It takes more than great code to be a great software engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, the podcast where we take your questions and answer with ultimate wisdom. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your other host, Jameson Dance. And that was a joke. We don't really have ultimate wisdom. We have, <laughs> Not yet. We have penultimate wisdom. We do, however, have exciting news. We do. This episode is brought to you by a sponsor, Dev Mountain. More about them later. And less exciting news. So like the vain person I am, I was listening back to the episodes. I just caught up with episode 31. And the question about how do you know if a job is worth applying to kind of stuck in my brain. I was like yelling at the at the stereo while I was listening to it. <laughs> You're like, you idiot. Um, why? Yeah, why? Yeah. Don't say that. No. <laughs> but the main thing that I was thinking about was that the the characteristics of like an air quotes cool job um, were mm-hmm. way more important well, to me at on, the what, very beginning. What was the question that was asked? Uh, how do you know if a job is worth applying to? Okay. So it, it mentions how do you know kind of what what are the good things that you should look for in a job and, and things like that. And when I was first starting off, I was really excited about and interested in all the kind of like startup perks where the startup replaces your mom. Um, <laughs> so you get like free laundry <laughs> And like video games and a rad ping pong table to hang out with all your friends at. And, <laughs> and your boss ties your shoes for you, even, yeah, even though they're Velcro. Childish, um, <laughs> like cool party fun things. Mm-hmm. And those were just the, the idea that you could get paid at a place that also didn't care if you played video games for a little bit during the day. It was just so novel. Mm-hmm. But as I have uh, matured, I feel like those things have kind of fallen away and and they aren't that important and even can be detractors at some point. So um, I I feel like there are underlying things, but it's easy to be swayed by the shiny perks. Mm -hmm. But perks are are not a great way to know if a job is worth applying to. Definitely. Dear listener, if you ever yell at the stereo (laughs) or yell at your headphones uh, when we (laughs) are giving our answers, feel free to send us a tweet and let us know your thoughts. If you like air fight because you're so distraught at what we say and then you look like a crazy person on your morning run however you listen to this <laughs> then especially let us know absolutely um i will read our first question so this is from listener willie ovali how can a developer damage his or her credibility online this is from a listener named willie ovali i'm preparing for interviews as a software developer and i'm building a tiny automatic torrent downloader can publishing it on my GitHub damage my reputation to future employers? Thank you. You're welcome. Prematurely, <laughs> you're welcome. Didn't you make a torrent downloader or something like that, Dave? Yeah, I did. It was open source too. Yeah. And, there you uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> not, not damaged. <laughs> <laughs> I think all torrent downloaders have implicit in their code like, this doesn't do anything illegal. <laughs> even or, though you could do illegal stuff with it yeah, this, this yeah. is just code so I think that specific example you don't really have much to worry about yeah probably not but uh, yeah also <laughs> uh, this might make you sad but uh, you might be overestimating the effect that publishing that will have on the wider scope of the internet <laughs> honestly you'll probably do it and like five people will look at it ever Uh so it won't, it won't be that bad, even if it is a doomsday device. 
Yeah, I just published my doomsday device on GitHub. <laughs> Only five people uh, It's noticed. got three stars. Three stars. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it doesn't have a cool logo and like a fancy art for it and doesn't have all the open source marketing. It doesn't have all the badges yet. <laughs> it's not gamified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't have the pull request welcome contributor badge on there. So I I think that it's actually more, I think it's easier to damage your reputation online by saying something stupid than by publishing some code. And Mm -hmm. I actually have an example of this from my own life. Would you like to hear the story? Please. At one point in the distant past, I was a tester at a well-known software company. And there was an online discussion forum that I was participating in that was actually bad-mouthing the products from my own company. And in, including some employees of the company were bad-mouthing some of the products. And I chimed in with a Me Too comment, uh, like the idiot young whippersnapper that I was. And sure enough, the next day, my boss called me into her office and said, hey, we got some feedback about the things you said online about these products. And you need to prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. <laughs> turns out that means you're on the brink of being fired which i was because one week later i got called into the hr uh, office and i was at that point officially quote not a good fit which is a very gentle way of saying you're fired (laughs) so yeah yeah that was a way that uh you know i learned a valuable lesson about what to say and what to keep to yourself online in a public discussion forum and uh i did get fired however the interesting side of this story is I learned a really valuable lesson in what not to say online. And in the long run, I think that this didn't really damage my reputation in a measurable way over the course of the next decade. Do you think that was partially because you were so early in your career, though? I mean, if, if you, Good point. you you would not do this. I know you and you're a great person. But if you just went online right now and blabbed a bunch of horrible stuff, I feel like it might now be more damaging because you're because you're more established i i don't really know why though it's like maybe i have more to lose or 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 the expectations are a little higher about i don't know professional behavior or something like that Yeah, like like i i i know better now i think is what you're saying yeah yeah it could be i would definitely have to talk my way out of that one (laughs) yeah well you'll just not do that no i I think i'm not gonna that's an experiment i'm not gonna perform (laughs) results unknown (laughs) So I have, uh, I'd I'd call it a loosely related example. Um, There was a particular technology I was pretty interested in learning and I kind of dabbled in it a little bit. And while I was learning it, some of the community around that technology was very involved in marketing um, and pretty aggressive marketing. And some of their, it it wasn't everybody and it wasn't really condoned, but, but some of the people in the community chose to market the technology by making people who either didn't get it or didn't use it or use something else feel and look really stupid. And that totally turned me off of it. Um, it, it made it so I wouldn't put up with the pain that comes with learning any new technology just because of the, the feeling I got from the people that used it. So this isn't a person, it's more of a, an inanimate object. Um, but it, it made me not use it. But then on the other hand, Lots of people still did use it <laughs> and it didn't die or anything. It's, it's, it became more popular after I stopped using it. Maybe, 
Maybe that's why. <laughs> Maybe you. I didn't. You were holding it back. Because I wasn't associated with it, I allowed it to blossom. <laughs> Just let it go, Jameson. Let it fly. Yeah. Be free. <laughs> so I don't know how I feel about the moral of that story. I think results inconclusive. Yeah. Results inconclusive. Do you have any more data? <laughs> we'll call it data instead of stories. <laughs> so it will sound more scientific. It's called anecdata. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any more proof <laughs> by which you mean my personal opinion <laughs> yep <laughs> so um jameson and i were going before the show we were kind of reviewing a list of about a half a dozen high profile cases of people making inappropriate remarks or doing uh negative things online that we would have expected to really damage their reputations and we kind of also came away from that a brief analysis with a result inconclusive uh, thesis as well, right? Yeah, and and I don't know if that's because the cases where we have heard about this are from people who are famous already, so they can rebound, or if it's just how it works. But it seems like even when they did things that I think are legitimately horrible, uh, it, it's all right for them. And even in some cases, they were better off because of the controversy and the added attention. Hmm. Yeah. It's almost like the more famous a person is, the more likely their bad behavior is to be well, you know, widely reported. Um, but it's also the less likely that it'll do any long-term harm to them. Yeah, maybe. So the corollary to that is that, you know, Joe Blow developer who nobody knows about, or, you know, only a handful of people know them, uh, their naughty behavior won't be published from far and wide, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, it, this kind of ends with a weird taste in my mouth, but that's what it seems like. It just seems like there are definitely temporary consequences. People get fired or they lose some credibility or their project or whatever. It gets, it's looked on with a kind of, uh, people kind of back away from it. But I feel like in the long run, all those cases I can think of, I mean, the, the people still make money doing basically what they were doing before, mm -hmm. which, uh, okay, I, I guess I was thinking of it as a bad thing, right? There's no justice in the world. Like they should, I don't know what I expect. Like they should die <laughs> or something. <laughs> they should go to but, jerk prison. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, yeah, go to jerk prison until they've reformed. Um, but maybe this is, could be a good thing because I am a human being who does dumb things all the time. And, and maybe that indicates that there's some leniency. If, if I genuinely make a mistake, uh, it won't ruin my life forever. Are you saying the internet is merciful? It's fickle and has the attention of a goldfish. Yeah, that's it. It's fickle and so forgetful. So even if that goldfish <laughs> is just like gnawing at your jugular, you just wait and then your jugular is fine later. <laughs> Yeah, we're certainly not saying that you can get away with whatever bad behavior you want and there's no repercussions, um, because there are. There are repercussions. And uh, like, for example, I got fired, you know? Um, yeah. But, you know, there's, there's usually nothing so harmful that you can't dig yourself out of it again. I mean, other repercussions are, say you say something just, just really wrong and offensive, um, you might recover and get a job later, but there are definitely people that will have in their mind forever this person is yeah. the person that said X and I don't yeah. want to work with people that say that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so it does change 
some things, even if it doesn't put you in jerk prison forever. And, and depending on the seriousness of the thing you do or say, it could very well close certain doors permanently. Yeah. You know, um, like here's an example. When I got out of college after having been fired from this job, two or three years later, one of my former coworkers reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to come be a developer at this company? I said, oh, yeah, sure. And he looked into it and came back and said, oh, no, sorry. They've got like a permanent <laughs> mark by your name says you can't wait be what yeah this actually really? happened yeah um, from from the getting fired issue yeah that's what it was he he said he asked hr and they said nope can't do it was it the same company yeah same company oh okay same sorry company. sorry it was the same company from okay, which i thought I it was fired. a different company and there's some secret permanent record <laughs> it's like a credit bureau for bad developer behavior yeah <laughs> <laughs> that one time dave rage deleted prod <laughs> Because someone didn't let his code through. Hmm. I think you may have just stumbled across a startup idea. <laughs> you can tattle All on right. your on your coworkers. What could go wrong? And it'll go in this permanent record. <laughs> yeah. Have we shed all the wisdom onto this question that there is to shed? Well, that's okay. Maybe that's a high bar. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else you would like to say? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I want to say one thing. Actually, I want to say a couple more things. The first one is that I think it's much easier to damage your credibility with your direct coworkers than it is to damage your credibility online. Even mm. though the internet tends to latch on to bad behavior and broadcast it far and wide, if you are consistently bad to your coworkers, treat them badly, rude, lazy, or whatever it is, um, I think that will have a more lasting and more harmful effect on your credibility and reputation than a flippant Twitter remark or a questionable GitHub project. So kind of because you're more closely associated with those people. So maybe more people will, will briefly think you're an idiot if, if you have some kind of internet controversy blow up, but there, it'll be a deeper impression on people that know you better. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. So what are, let, let's just go over a, a brief list here. What, what if I ask really stupid questions online? Can that harm my credibility? Heck no. I think that can help your credibility. Well, as long as you're not selling yourself as an expert on the thing that you're asking questions about. Yeah. But I think it, it demonstrates that you are willing to learn and you're excited about new things. Those are great things. What about participating in some kind of illegal hacking activity and then publicizing that? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably that. <laughs> Not good. Um, yeah. I wouldn't recommend that. I mean, if you're an infosec, though, like Kevin like a... Mitnick sure <laughs> makes a lot of money now after spending a while in jail. <laughs> yeah, after, sp <laughs> after spending, what, like 10 or 15 years in jail? Yeah, maybe it paid off. See, credibility restored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I want to say about that, I think. All right. Go forth Question and answered. don't be a jerk on the internet. Yeah, avoid this problem in the first place. Our sponsor this week is Dev Mountain, which is a coding boot camp in Salt Lake and Provo. And instead of doing the traditional boring sponsorship message, are you tired of your dead-end job? Come to Dev Mountain. It's only $9.99. We are actually going to do something a little different. We're going to talk to a couple of the Dev Mountain grads and just do an interview to hear what their experience was like, what they liked, what they didn't like. And hopefully, if you're interested and and excited to learn how to code or to pick up a new skill set this will make you um make you want to check out dev mountain our first interview is with a software developer named barbara liao do you want to just start off by stating your name 
Uh, yeah, my name is Barbara Liao. So what were you doing before uh, Dev Mountain? Before that, I was working for an arts university, which was a lot of fun. Like I always wanted, I like art a lot. Uh-huh. That's what I wanted to do when I was younger. But it, it wasn't very fulfilling, I guess. I kind of got drawn to coding just, it was creative in a lot of ways. So it kind of hit some of the same buttons that art did. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a lot of different ways to solve the same problem in a lot of very elegant ways. And but it was also very challenging at the same time. You know, it's always changing, always something new, always a new way to get better. So even though Barbara spent some time teaching herself how to code before Dev Mountain, she says the actual experience of being there was pretty different. Oh, it's so different. Like, you know, it's always hard to learn something new. And when I was learning by myself, I remember just like agonizing over it. Like, oh my gosh, like it's so hard. Like who who can I ask, you know, for help? And that's a big difference going to Dev Mountain was, you know, I could agonize about it and just lay on the floor and be like, oh my gosh, I don't understand it. But, you know, there's going to be someone there who understands how I feel, but also someone who is going to be able to help me and, you know, point me in the right direction. I'm not just like clicking everywhere on the internet trying to figure out the right, you know, the, the answer to the question. So it's just sure. really nice, the guided, you know, the mentorship that was uh, at Dev Mountain. Yeah, like that hunt through oh my gosh, so much stuff. the <laughs> enormous pile of stuff on <laughs> right. the internet to find the one thing yeah, and then, <laughs> that's like kind of you know, related to your problem. Someone out there has probably done it. And, and a lot of times, especially when you're learning to code, someone has already been there. And it's nice if they can just you know point you to the right answer and help you versus you just kind of floundering around by yourself. What what was the pace like? I mean, what did it feel like to attend? Yeah, it was definitely challenging. It was a little bit, I kind of cruised a little bit at the beginning. And I think a lot of that had to do with that. I had done a lot of prep work prior to. Okay, so you kind of um, had a head start. Yeah, I kind of had a little bit of a head start, which I really liked. It gave me some extra time to really kind of dive into everything. I think in a lot of ways, it's as challenging as you make it. Um, myself and several other students, we spent a lot of hours, you know, after after class and um, a lot of long nights, um, and you can, you know you kind of get what you put into it. Dev Mountain has full time twelve week programs, sixteen week part time programs. They have iOS, they have web development, they have UI and UX. They actually offer free housing with your tuition. So if you're coming from out of state, that really helps you just focus on learning. If you are interested in Dev Mountain, you can go to devmountain.com to learn more about it. We're actually going to hear more from Barbara and some of the other graduates in the next few weeks as well. But for now, back to our show. Okay, I'll read the next question. Excellent. Uh, This is from listener Jaunty, and the question is, how do I meet people working for potential employers when I'm still in college and know absolutely no one? And let me just read some more details here. Hey, guys, you mentioned in one of your recent podcasts that knowing someone at a company is the best way to get hired. I'm in my last year of CS now, and I was wondering how I could get to know people in the industry to make finding a job easier once I get out. Basically, I'm asking for networking tips. Big fan of the show. Keep up the great work. Cheers. Cheers. Right back I raised my water bottle to you. All right. A hearty toast. So James and I were talking about this a minute ago, and we both realized we didn't do this at all when we were in college, right? No, not, not explicitly. Well, I, I also, because there are so many people that come to programming uh, through other avenues, I think you can mm-hmm. kind of substitute like in a boot camp or yeah, yeah. teach myself to code or, or kind of in the learning phase. Right. Like I'm, a, I'm almost going to enter the professional development industry. How do yep. I meet people? Yeah. 
Well, maybe that's a way in which it is pretty different in a CS program. There usually is kind of a funnel from graduation to getting a job. Like they have career fairs and mm-hmm. it's kind of automatic. Yeah, it's not. You might not get the best job for you or a job you love, but yeah, if you graduate with a CS degree, there's a lot pushing you towards a job of some kind. Yeah, there's a whole. I mean, literally a whole system people employed to help work you through this pipeline of meeting employers and stuff. So at least as far as making connections go, a lot of that is handled for you once you're in the job searching phase. But what about before that, like a year before? I, I didn't do anything. See, I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't either. And what a waste, right? Like, um, Here's where we give that advice that's like, okay, age 12, do these steps to start preparing and then make them feel horribly guilty about how unprepared they are and how far behind they are. I feel like that advice happens all the time. Even though we didn't do it. Yeah, like how <laughs> how to be a doctor. Okay, age five. <laughs> Let's begin. <laughs> so as a 20-year-old college student, it just didn't occur to me that I should go out and meet people in the job market. I don't know why, but it didn't. I guess I was just too busy doing other things, maybe homework. <laughs> But as now someone who's been in the industry for about 15 years, I think if a college student introduced themselves to me and wanted to meet me, I would be perfectly happy to go do it. Um, Oh, in fact, Jameson, I just remembered a a program that my university set up after I graduated. It was a lunch program. What? Thanks. They waited until after you graduated. (laughs) Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. (laughs) It was actually a lunch program where you could sign up to go to lunch with local developers who are working in the industry. And the developers like me would sign up to take college kids to lunch and then just kind of chat with them about, you know, what it's like to work in the industry and stuff like that. And I only had one student sign up for that. I was in that program for like two years and only one student did it with me anyway. (laughs) They were like, oh, Dave Smith. Nope. Next. (laughs) Okay. But I just think students just didn't take advantage of that opportunity, even though it was right there. So good on you for for being concerned about this that early. Yeah, I think you probably have a leg up. Um, Well, the other takeaway was just ask people and they say yes, probably. Yeah. It's not like people are getting inundated with these requests. Um, How do you know who to ask, though? I mean... There are, there are probably local employers. You could probably find a lot of them if you just go to meetups of some kind, wherever you are. Yep. Uh, if, if there's a college there, there's probably some kind of meetup. Maybe it's small. I don't know. But there should be some opportunity to just meet local people, and then you can kind of get a feel for what what kind of jobs are out there. Yep. I, I suspect you you may already be aware. Now, maybe you're in a college town that's out and really remote and there's not a lot of tech jobs around. Um, and in that case, it might be a little more difficult. But, you know, I would start by uh, listing the companies who employ people or that you would like to meet and then try to find connections with those companies. Uh, you could even just hit up LinkedIn or Twitter, you know, and just try to connect with these people. You mentioned networking tips specifically. And... I think one thing that doesn't that that I don't hear a lot about networking is that it should be mutually beneficial. It's not just you kind of walking out to people and shaking their hand with a business card in your hand already so they like have to take it and you just say, "Hey, my name's so and so. Got any work?" Um, cuz that's not beneficial. That's stressful. That would terrify me <laughs> if people did that. They 
you should have something to offer this person besides an item on their to-do list. And through the internet, that's actually pretty easy. It's pretty easy both to meet people and to offer them something, even if it's just like a little little happy stroke to their ego. Like if they tweet, you could, I don't know, you could like their tweets. And, and if they're working on some project, you can use it and then give feedback on it some some way to introduce yourself to them that isn't just like, hey, I'm a stranger. Can you help me with this yeah, thing? Give me, give me stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean... That, that might work sometimes actually, but <laughs> but it's so much easier and, and it's so much more natural if you're if you're interacting beyond uh, just asking for stuff. If you're interacting around some project or some idea or uh, just having having some something to offer and you do have something to offer even if you're pretty new and, and pretty new to programming. One of the things that I thought of in this case that you could offer is you may not know this, but almost all tech companies are hiring almost all the time. Has this been true in your experience, Jameson? Mm -hmm. Like, I think sometimes college students think, well, maybe they don't have any openings, right? But the, the fact is that most tech companies are always trying to hire and they're just constantly unable to have enough developers on their teams to do the jobs they need to do. So as a student, you could say, hey, I'd be happy to advertise any job openings that you have in my classes. You know, I can stand up at the beginning of class and take a minute. Most professors will allow this, at least in my university, and say, hey, there's a job over at tech company so-and-so, and it sounds really cool, and I went to lunch with one of the, you know, engineers over there, and they seemed really cool. You guys should all apply. And just say, you could offer that and say, in exchange, I'd love to have lunch with you and hear about your company, and then maybe I can uh, talk about your jobs to my classmates. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is also easy to, not easy. It's, it's so much more possible to do, though, because of open source, you can just find an open source project and uh, and find some way to contribute. The one scary thought I used to have is that big open source projects are so frighteningly complex that there's no room for, for me to contribute if I'm not an expert. But I think it's actually the opposite, that if an open source project is big enough, there are, there are enough things to do that some of those things will be within your skill set. That's a good idea. So, yeah, if, if you just hop on an issue queue and start, I don't know, become known as the person that, that helps create reproducible examples out of bugs or, or yeah, adds so you're, really good so you're not even, error messages or something. Yeah, like you're not even necessarily f- writing code. Yeah. That's a really clever yeah, there's, idea. There's a lot, <laughs> a lot that open source maintainers deal with that isn't writing code. And, and if you can help them with that, that's both a fantastically valuable um, skill that you're demonstrating and it's it's a great way to help them which is a better basis for a relationship than than just asking for stuff totally awesome another thing that this can accomplish is it helps you demonstrate competence and that's really important for me at least because i want to make sure if i'm recommending someone to people that i'm confident that they'll be able that they'll be a good fit i i don't want to just um introduce people and say like check this person out you should totally hire them and then they go in an interview and and they are not a good fit at all or they've misrepresented their skills somehow or i don't know it, where they feel like i've wasted their time mm. does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah it wouldn't reflect very well on you yeah the person yeah, making and, the and i am selfish so <laughs> i i would rather <laughs> protect my reputation in my network than than risk it on helping someone that i'm not sure uh is a good fit 
if that makes sense. Yeah. So if you can demonstrate competence, then that makes it easier to recommend to, to recommend you to people, basically. Yep. Does that sound, I don't know, I feel really elitist and awful now that I just said that. <laughs> like I'm well, silently judging everyone or something. You, let's put it this way. You would never ask someone to write a letter of recommendation for you if they don't know you. And by the same token, don't ask Jameson to refer you to someone if Jameson doesn't know you. Because Jameson wants to be able to pass along a recommendation. Is yeah, that what you're trying Jameson to say? Jameson does. Yeah, when, when Jameson says it in a third person, it sounds even better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so royal. Yeah, it's... It's it's not like elitism or snootiness or like, are you good enough to hang with me? It's more like, <laughs> I I want to respect everyone's time and I want to make sure that there's a high chance of it working out. Like, I don't want I don't want the person I recommend to be super disappointed, and I don't want the people I recommend someone to to think I'm a joker or or spammy or taking advantage of them. Yep. So, yeah, if, if you can demonstrate competence, it makes it easier to, to get around that. Also, Jameson really likes it when people show up and wash his motorcycle. And if you just <laughs> do that, he'll pass along anything you want. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, one last thing I had happen to me a few months ago, actually, is a, a local college student emailed me out of the blue and said, hey, I'm doing an assignment for an engineering class where I have to interview a handful of working engineers. Can I come to your office and interview you for 20 minutes? I've got some questions I'll ask. And I was like, oh yeah, no problem. And I think once you know the people you want to connect with, actually connecting with them is so easy. And I never even verified that it was a real class. You know, maybe this kid was just <laughs> super ambitious. You just made some stuff up. <laughs> I've got this sweet angle. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean people are generally quite willing to give you a few minutes of their time especially if you're like hey this interview is going to be you talking about your life people love that <laughs> oh yeah everybody loves to talk about themselves it's flattering to have someone listen to them yeah, yeah what he but, didn't know is that I was going to stand up on a like a pulpit with a microphone and blast the answers over a mic back at him and pretend there were like <laughs> thousands of people listening <laughs> even better for your ego <laughs> it's all about the ego yep so, a lot of these tips, when I say them, sound scary to me. Because there are still people, it's not like this goes away, where once you get in the industry, you're like, oh, I'm fine. I know all the people I need to know. There are still people I would love to get to know and work with someday. And it's still kind of scary for me to think about just cold approaching them. So, um, I think if this feels hard, I think it's because it can be hard. It's not mm -hmm. that you're defective in some way. Yeah, uh, it, it's but it is it, it can be super worth it. It can change your life if you if you get an opportunity that you wouldn't have without a little bit of potentially uncomfortable effort. I mean, yeah, if, if you get a job out of that, it affects years of your life. Absolutely. Plus, human relationships are one of the most rewarding parts of life anyway. You know, getting to know new people and having those relationships be kindled over years. That's what that's what happiness is made of. And I think research actually backs that up. So this isn't just a Dave fact. It's a fact fact. <laughs> there are many kinds of facts. <laughs> this is a true fact. <laughs> there are Dave facts and there are true facts. <laughs> well, question answered. Question answered. All right, John. T. Person helped. Get out there and leverage a network. 
Yep. <laughs> I hate saying those words. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've said a lot of words that I hate in this question, but it's because I love you, listener, and I'm willing to say business things. What a sacrifice. in my mouth. <laughs> to make your life better. <laughs> All right. Jameson, where can people go if they want to spread the Soft Skills Engineering podcast love? They can go to softskills.audio on the internet. There they will find episodes, and that is about it. <laughs> you should use can... a web browser, just so you know. People have yeah. been writing in saying, how come it doesn't work with the Gopher protocol? Look, that died in like 97, okay? I drove to Soft Skills, and there was nothing there. It was just a barren <laughs> wasteland in probably... I don't know, West Virginia, isn't that where they the data centers are? <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't drive there. Yeah, use the internet to go there. You can't use FTP either. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> okay, use the, the World Wide Web. Yes, hypertext transfer protocol only. Is that specific enough? <laughs> <laughs> you can also find us on Twitter. We are at SoftSkillsENG on Twitter. That's where we collect all of our questions. So if you have one you would like to ask, then... Uh, hit us up there either at just just publicly or in a direct message. Also, rate our podcast on iTunes. Even if you don't use iTunes, go click the little rating button. Uh, pick as many stars as you want, one through five. Give us what you feel like we have earned <laughs> with our sincere <laughs> and in, in incredibly earnest efforts. How many stars was this episode worth to you? Do you see the puppy dog eyes that I'm transmitting <laughs> through audio right now? How many stars would you give these puppy dog eyes? <laughs> like 10. 10 stars. Five per eye. All right. I think we have finished. All right. See you next week. <laughs>